Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We know we have a great episode in store for you. And uh, really quick, as always, a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, for helping to make this podcast possible. I'm excited to join in with our guest this morning, afternoon, whatever time you might be listening to this podcast. She is out of the Northeast, New Jersey, divorce lawyer, empowerment trainer and best-selling author. It's my pleasure to have on the podcast, Sonia Frontera joining us today. Sonia, thank you so much for taking the time. Hi, Ted. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, absolutely. And I, I know I gave the quick a kind of resume rundown, a divorce lawyer, empowerment coach, best-selling author, but I always love making sure that our guest has an opportunity to introduce themselves to the audience in their own words and maybe shed some light into their story, their background, or or their profession in what we hope to share today. So please, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. So I have been, I'm a divorce attorney, but I haven't been a divorce attorney that long. Mm-hmm. I have been an attorney for 26 years. And right now I'm pivoting more towards what I really enjoy doing, which is empowering others and help people turn their adversity into opportunities for personal growth. So I'm looking forward now that hopefully COVID is waning, we we can get back together to having live programs and workshops and empowerment programs for people who are going through adversity. Mm-hmm. So To give you a little background as to how I got here, no rain, no rainbows. I've had like all kinds of showers throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And when I was 24, I got married. And within 24 hours of the wedding, I realized that I had married a psychologically abusive man. And I was a very sheltered child. I never saw this coming. I didn't know what to do about this. And uh, I felt that very early on in my life, it's like my life was sort of, you know, stagnated in a bad position. I also had a job from hell at the age of 25. So I decided I was going to go to law school. And that really empowered me to end the relationship. It put a buffer between me and and an abusive situation Mm -hmm. and also open up some opportunities for me professionally. So fast forward many years, I have been practicing for almost 20 years and then I became sick. I developed a very disabling migraine condition, daily migraines. So I had to step back from the kind of law that I was practicing at the time. I was a litigator for government and uh, a friend suggested, why don't you try collaborative divorce? And I had worked in family court when I first got out of law school and I had just divorced a few months prior to my graduation and like clerking in family court. I went through hundreds of divorces and I hated the toxicity of it. And I thought I would never get back to it, but I found collaborative divorce to be a really great option. And it's, it's a very gentle, kinder way to divorce. It's more amicable and it's right up my alley. And because I became my own boss, I had more flexibility and I gave myself the opportunity to fulfill the dream I've had forever, which was to become an author. 
So I used all these difficulties to try to help other people who are going through unhappy marriages to empower themselves to make the decision that is right for them and to carry them out, which was the hardest thing for me when I was unhappily married as a young Catholic girl. Yeah. Oh man. What an amazing story and testimony there. One that, that did not come without its roadblocks, detours and storms for sure. I appreciate you sharing that and really kind of the breadcrumbs that led you to where you are today, because that's that's very, very important. And just for some of our, our listeners or viewers who might not be too familiar with collaborative divorce, how does that differ from, from regular divorce that we might be kind of exposed to or basic understanding of it would be? What does the difference in that collaborative divorce look like? And, and where does that start? Like you said, people have some preconceptions of what divorce is like, and we see it in the movies, right? Uh, marriage Story, The War of the Roses, where people are are really ready to kill each other throughout the divorce process and end up hurting themselves and their children. And collaborative divorce is different because the parties agree in advance that they are going to solve the case. They're going to settle before going to court. And they do this by working with a team of professionals. Each party, husband and wife, have their own attorney. And they also work with neutral professionals to help them iron out the the thorny issues of the divorce, which usually are the finances. So you have a financial advisor who helps you decide how to divide your assets and liabilities to maximize your financial position. And you also work with a mental health professional to help you deal with those emotional issues that sometimes help you get stuck, things that have to do with your feelings and children and the like. Yeah. So the parties meet together with their professionals and then they reach a settlement. And when they do, that's when they go to court. Here in New Jersey, we have divorces that are for, for no cause. And you simply put the divorce complaint forward and then you just get the judgment without having to go through the ugly battles and court which can be very expensive, very taxing emotionally and very harmful for the family and their children. Yeah. And certainly I I wrote down, you know, hurtful to ourselves, each other and the children, Mm -hmm. because I've heard it said before, a lot of times in divorce, whatever might have happened, whether it's no fault or there's something around it, we often try and make the spouse be the bad guy in the whole process. And that just ends up spiraling more because the courts aren't going to make someone the bad guy. They're just there to help make the decision in the separation. These are conversations that I know a lot of folks listening, whether they're married or maybe looking to get married or maybe divorced and and dating again. These are conversations that are typically taboo in terms of let's let's sit down and, and talk about the realities of divorce. And a lot of times it's wanting to prevent it from getting there and maybe having the the tips and tricks on how to first work on the marriage would be helpful. What are some things you've noticed that couples do successfully to have a happy relationship that if they're looking to maybe, uh, you know, I'm not trying to cut the cord yet. I really want to make this marriage work. What are some things you've seen work? 
I think you need to sit down with your partner and with a caveat that except in abusive situations, right, where, where this might not be feasible. But if you're not in an abusive marriage, then try to work things out. And, and I think it's good for people to sit down and think about what are their expectations about marriage and what they wish to accomplish together and look at the positives of your, your partner. You know, we tend to focus on what's wrong with your partner and get stuck in that. I think you need to take emotional inventory and, and try to look at your relationship holistically. Mm. What is it that my partner brings to quality issues that quality that comes from my partner that enhances the relationship enhances my life, right? What are the things that brought us together in the beginning? Can we bring those things? Can we create those things? And also identify those things that don't work so well. And especially try to find out what are you doing to increase the strife in the relationship or those things that bring resentment, because very often we tend to lose ourselves in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of remaining as individuals, we tend to merge into a couple, mm-hmm. right? And give up on things that made us happy at the beginning. For instance, sometimes, you know, the woman might give up a career that was happy and satisfying to become a homemaker. And the focus is on the children as opposed to on those things that are nourishing to us, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or focusing strictly on the partner and, and merging in a way that, you know, eliminates what other friendships and other family relationships, right? You just because you're focused so much on the couple. So try to have a very holistic and objective look at the relationship. What is good? What is bad? What's intolerable and what's non-negotiable? And then see if this is something that you and your partner can overcome. Because very often when you look at it objectively, without looking to blame anyone, you can work things out. Yeah. Now that's great advice. And and I like how you started it with the caveat of, you know, Hey, if you're not in an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. having that kind of sit down and the communication of expectations when, where we are and what we're doing, you mentioned how quickly after your marriage, you realized things maybe were not what you were or what you expected. What would you say to someone who finds themselves in that situation? They might be afraid that they're kind of starting to notice some things and pick up on some behavior that they just don't think is okay. And they're not really comfortable with it. What does that process look like of fully unraveling, I guess, that initial inkling to actually finding out, hey, okay, is this an abusive relationship? And how do I build those steps to start getting out? The most important thing is to get help. Because you can't go it alone. It is very hard to end an abusive relationship. In fact, the statistics show it can take up to seven times. On the average, it takes seven times for someone to end an abusive relationship. And one thing that is really, really key is that very often we don't we don't know whether we are in an abusive relationship because some of the behaviors can be subtle or some of them can be normalized. Some are invisible and the people around us don't notice, don't realize what we're going through. So we don't find the kind of support. And also because the partners that are abusive tend to isolate, they tend to isolate you from your support systems. Mm. So get help. I think the first step is to reach out to a domestic violence organization in your community or the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 
thehotline.org, and try to find out and, and get an understanding of, of what behaviors can be abusive, and then see if that fits into what's going on in your relationship, and then empower yourself, because that is really the most important thing, is to empower yourself to break free from the relationship so that you don't keep on going back. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful because I think being alone for so many of us can be scary, especially when mm-hmm. we're used to a relationship, used to a partner, used to that codependency for, for so long. And after the process of divorce, the pain can linger for what might feel like forever. How can we enhance the healing process and maybe mitigate the pain during the process of kind of helping ourselves to release any of the suffering that comes along with the turbulent times and the process of divorce itself? I think you need to sit down and figure out what is it that is creating the hurt and chip away at it. It's like, it's like an onion. There's all these different layers to it. So let me address a few of the the most common ones for a lot of people is the fear of the process the fear of the unknown, and you should never allow fear alone to be the the, the sole reason why you remain in a marriage that is not satisfying. Mm -hmm. And we have feelings of failure. Sadly, our society tells us that if your marriage doesn't work out, you're a failure. And some people just live with that feeling of failure forever. Or they try to avoid that label of failure and they remain in marriages that are unhappy. And to that, I say, failure is a label. Peel it off, Mm. right? Don't give in to the myth of the failed marriage. You and your, your spouse were put in each other's life for a reason. And you need to absorb the lessons from the relationship and release it, bless it, be grateful for it and move on instead of being stuck, instead of looking for blame. You don't need to have a guilty party in a divorce, right? And to forgive, I think forgiveness is really, really important when you are trying to move forward. I was going to say, that's a hard one, the forgive, because we can carry the bag. Sorry to interrupt, because that's the next question I was going to ask was, you know, how do we release the emotion from the process? I believe it's important to kind of, you know, sit down, feel our emotions, spend time with it, let their process go through. But after a time, it's appropriate to kind of let it go in the wind and, and, and kind of release it. That could be a very, very hard feat for some people who might feel years have been been wasted time, resources, all these things. And they see what their new reality might look like. And moving forward, there's just, unfortunately, this bitterness that's just hard to let go. What, I guess, words of encouragement and release could you offer to someone who's really having a hard time with that forgiveness piece? There is so much to unpack in the question. So go ahead. Um, <laughs> there's tons here to unpack. And, you know, we're looking, and I just want to start with this, this part. You say that sometimes we look at all the investment, what we had invested in the relationship. And I find myself in that trap. And that is like the worst thing you can do to yourself, right? And you need to be forward looking. And I think one of the reasons why we are so afraid of, of the divorce is that we are we fear the future. We fear what a divorce is going to be like. 
But instead of focusing or also on what you're going to be losing, right? Your standard of living, you don't want your spouse to get the money, the house, the boat, whatever. So you need to be thinking forward. You need to be thinking of the future instead of what you're losing or what you're leaving behind. The focus needs to be on what you're going to create going forward and start right now. It's not after the divorce is over. Start Mm. right now right? And understand that if you think it is a tall order to live with with forgiving someone who has harmed you, think about all the harm you're doing to yourself when you don't. Because when you don't forgive, you are carrying that weight forever. And that's not any good. It holds you back from moving forward. It holds you back from being happy. Desmond Tutu said, there is no future without forgiveness. So instead of focusing on what the other person did, all the wrongs that were done or perceived that were done, just release the charge. It's not about condoning what the other person did. Mm -hmm. You know, we think that forgiving means to legitimize what they did to you, say it's okay, or that it's weak or or wimpy. And it's not, it's something you do for yourself because you want to be free. You want to start from scratch. So go through the wrongs that were part of your relationship. I recommend write a letter to your partner. Don't send it. Just write a letter, just go through those and how they made you feel. And then decide I choose to be free. I choose to free myself from this pain. Mm. I let it go and release it and release the relationship and be grateful because there are reasons for you to be in in your partner's life and vice versa and try to find out what those lessons were because there's this person is teaching you something. And unless you learn the lessons, you're bound to repeat them, especially if you try to recouple in the future. Mm -hmm. So do it for you, not for your partner. And forgive yourself. That's another important part. Forgive yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that is, you know, forget about all the, all the weight we might hold and, and kind of the resentment we might hold towards the partner, but really ourselves. And honestly, that segues perfectly because you kind of alluded to it in terms of dating after divorce and, mm. and kind of when you said, forgive yourself and also kind of going through that healing and setting yourself free. You say, start now with the future you want to create. There's some people you don't want them to kind of jumping to, I guess, dating after divorce too soon or too late or this could be a loaded question and it's probably one that would be dependent on the person's situation, but mm-hmm. what does it look like when it comes to dating after divorce and when they got back in kind of, I guess the precautions they take and maybe what they hope to apply at that time that they maybe didn't apply the first time. Right. And I think that we are conditioned and, and let me just go back to what you said earlier in the episode, you said that some people don't like being alone. Right. And that is very often one of the reasons why we recouple right away. We're not comfortable being alone or we feel that we need a partner to validate us. Right. Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Yeah. Let go of that. No, you need to fall in love with yourself first right? And feel comfortable with yourself and enjoy your own company. Because if you recouple before you have healed, you're likely to repeat those mistakes in a future relationship. If you haven't done the inner work, 
And in my books, that's what I encourage all the readers to do. Do the inner work, understand how you got in this hell, what kept you in, Mm-hmm. And try to absorb those lessons so you can start fresh and not just do a disaster do-over mm-hmm. and feel comfortable and, and you know, let go of your partner because a lot of people, they divorce and all they do is just be spying on the partners on social media, asking their kids, so um, what is your dad's new girlfriend like? Is he saying anyone? Things like that. Focus on yourself. When I divorced, I did not date for four years. And those were some of the best years of my life. I took up hiking and new friends, and I started a really fun life. So that's what you need to be looking forward to. And it's it's something that, again, you should start doing early on. Just try to reconnect with your passions, with your dreams, those things that make you happy. And just bring that joy into your life. And when you are joyful, when you're healthy emotionally, then you're going to be bringing someone happy. You have something good to offer to your new partner, right? Mm-hmm. And you can create a happy relationship from that point of power instead of a point of weakness, a point that is based on negativity, fear of being alone, feeling incomplete. Those are not good foundations for a good relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I, I need listeners to hear me when I say the world needs a happy and joyful you. And finding out who you truly love to be. And let that light shine. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Ah, Speaking of shining light, despite some of the setbacks you've gone through, you've shined all the way through that process to even joining us and gracing us with your presence today on this episode. What would you say was that one factor or something that helped you push through all those hard times? whether it be from the first marriage to having to change your law practice and really kind of hone in to refinding your passion years into the practice of practicing law. What do you credit your ability to be resilient and push through that to? Two things. The first one, and I guess they come together. The first one is my faith. I am a believer And to me, my faith has sustained me through all kinds. And we're just zeroing in on two of the the showers that I went through, but there have been a lot more. And it's always my faith that keeps me strong, that keeps me centered. And that feeling that everything will work out in the end, that I'm going through this for a reason, that that situation is making me stronger It's making me more resilient and that knowing, because I have this unwavering faith that I will always land on my feet. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how many times I just flip in the air. (laughs) I'll land eventually. (laughs) What advice would you give to somebody who might be going through a hard time right now, who hasn't figured out how to reshape their thinking in, in it, their perspective in it yet? And I guess, find those, those blessings. Cause this might be too wet in the downpour to see the sun. I think the to me, the pinnacles of empower, personal empowerment or self-awareness, self-expression and self-love. Mm-hmm. And 
self-awareness. Awareness is really the key because very often we think that life will not get any better. Why? Because we're living in our heads, right? We're living these narratives. We're living by social conditioning. The stories we tell ourselves, right? If things are not going your way now, you start, oh my God, my life is over. Things will never get better. I'm a failure, right? So when you identify those limiting beliefs and where they came from, because that is also very important, you can start tackling them and change the way you think to a more positive way. Like I can handle this. Mm -hmm. This will make me stronger. I'm getting better. When you change that narrative, you will change the outcomes. Take responsibility for where you are and make the changes that are necessary to get you out of it mm-hmm. and be compassionate because it's the self-love part is really important. Don't beat yourself up. We are so self-deprecating mm-hmm. when in fact we should be self-edifying instead mm-hmm. and change, change the way you think it's really key. It, it boils down to your thinking so much. And from thinking that's where your actions stem from. Mm-hmm. It starts and ends with the mind. Sonia Frontera, divorce lawyer, empowerment trainer, best-selling author. How can folks connect with you, follow you, pick up some of your books and learn from some of the work that you're doing? The best way to connect with me is by visiting my website, www.soniafrontera.com. And there you will find links to all my social media. You can learn more about my books, as well as any events that are coming up and any podcasts such as this. And you can also connect with me directly because I love to hear from listeners. Just feel free to reach out to me and shoot me any questions. Oh, absolutely. And I'll I'll have the links in the show notes for folks to kind of whatever app they're listening on, or if they're watching on YouTube, they can kind of open up the comments in the show notes right now, scroll down and get those links to be directly connected to you and to the book. Sonia, thank you so much. Learned so much. And and I appreciate you sitting in this this space with us to have the conversation, because I know it's one that a lot of folks tend to avoid, but there's someone out there who who probably needed some of the tips that you were delivering today who might not have that confidence to reach out to a friend or, or someone else. But having the safe space and the ability to listen to this in their own time can probably hopefully provide them with some of the actionable steps to, to hopefully move forward towards that life that we know they can live. So thank you for, for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I'm going to actually rehash some of the tips that I wrote down and and uh, the gems you dropped along the way, because I know a lot of folks are either cleaning, riding a bike, running, working out while they're doing this. Hey, one more set, but hurt themselves, each other and the kids. A lot of times in divorce, we try and make our spouse the bad guy and we try and have the courts identify who's at fault here. Uh, unfortunately, in that process, we hurt ourselves, we hurt each other. In in some instances, unfortunately, the kids get caught in the crossfire there. So understanding who is really going to be hurt in the process might help for more of an amicable approach. Cooperative divorce something is as a new term to me that a lot of folks might not be aware of. Sit down, communicate, take emotional inventory and look at the relationship holistically. Uh, before we just go and cut the cord, maybe let's take a good dissecting look at the relationship and see if we can give it a go. Sit down with your partner. And of course, this is with the caveat of hopefully you're not in an abusive relationship. If you are and you identify that, as Sonia said, the first step is get help. 
don't do it alone because in these relationships, your spouse or, or the partner who's the abusive one would isolate you from those resources. So don't do it alone. And when it comes to the process of going through that divorce, don't hold on to the hurt and don't live by fear. The fear of failure, saying failure is a label, peel it off. Don't hold on for too long because of the fear of what others might think or say, or the thought process of not being a success, of being a failure. Looking forward, getting excited for the life you can create and starting right now. And of course, letting go of any of that resentment and move forward healed and ready to redate recouple if that is what you choose, but also falling in love with yourself and being joyful because that is the true path to finding your happiness. And there are so many more gems that I couldn't write down because my pen ran out of ink or because I ran out of space, but that is just more reason for you to hit replay on this episode. And of course, subscribe for new episodes each and every single week. If you enjoyed it, we would appreciate a rating. Let us know how we're doing. It's the best way to help us improve. And also share this with someone you think can get some value from it as well. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to support on a monetary level, uh, we would appreciate you joining our Patreon page where you can get extra content and audio from some of our guests like Sonia and others. And of course, as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.